0: We are going to be in John chapter 5, and we're talking about how Jesus determines to be with his people and to pursue his purpose. So I just want to start just by sharing like a quick story about myself. I know some of y'all know me a little bit better than others, and some of y'all have got to meet uh, my wife um, and kids. They were back here for a couple, like a minute while we were worshiping. So y'all sure didn't see him, but um, I've been married now for 10 years. I uh, have two two boys. They're seven and four. Um, but back up to when I was in college, when I was y'all's age, um, I was int- intensely both afraid of commitment and desiring a girlfriend, and both those those two things usually don't go together. <laughs> like you can't be afraid to commit and want the girlfriend. Um, but that was me. That's that was my problem in college. Uh, I had a plan and a purpose that did not match the other plan and purpose in my life. I always had conflicting plans and conflicting purposes, um, and so it led me to just. Uh, not really understand dating and not do it very well at all. On uh, one day, I'd, you know, I'd try to be a really great boyfriend. The next day, I like wouldn't text her the whole day and she'd get mad at me. And, you know, just, it was like a process. It was a, a lot of learning and growing in our dating relationship. And thankfully, I had a, both a lot of grace from her. Uh, and uh, whenever I was on one of my, like, brinks of breaking up with her in my afraid of commitment phrase. I had friends who told me, stop being dumb. She's a great girl. Don't do not do that because you're afraid of commitment. Um, and so ultimately, it all worked out well. But during that whole process of my life, that time of my life, there was a lot of ups and downs because I didn't truly understand the purpose of dating. I didn't truly understand the purpose of saying, I want to spend a significant amount of my time with this girl. I was missing out on the true purpose because what I thought I wanted didn't match the true purpose. And so what we're going to talk about today is the purpose and the determination of Jesus, uh, how he determines to reach his people and to fulfill his plan, which is the opposite of usually how we do things. If we're left to our own devices, usually what happens, our determination, is we pursue our pleasure and we pursue our own plans. I mean, I think about this just in a normal, everyday life, okay? Again, I'm not going to say these things are bad, but I just want to draw attention to ways that we normally think. When we wake up, you know, the, the, the thought is, How am I going to fill my belly with breakfast? Or how, what do I need to do today? What's going to accomplish my goals and my plans? You know, what's on my to do list? Again, not necessarily saying that's wrong, right? We should seek to accomplish things. We should eat food, right? We should take care of ourselves. All of those things are good. But when we start our day, when we go about our day, it's easy to shift and to think, what do I need to do, right? That first person, you know, pronoun that we put in there is I. What do I need to do? And, you know, if you're anything like me, it's super tempting to get up, pick up your phone first thing in the morning and hop on something that's going to, you know, make you happy or make you, you know, feel good or make you feel some kind of pleasure that you want, whether it's jumping on a social media platform whether, if which, I, I don't know if any of you are like me, but what I did this morning was I checked my waiver wire on fantasy football, which I don't know if any of y'all did that, but that's what I did when I woke up this morning. That was the, what the pleasure I was looking for in that moment when I woke up was that. I had my desires, I had my pursuit of pleasure, I had my plans that I woke up to, and just naturally did, okay? This is, this isn't, necessarily meant to be indicting, though I think there are things that we should notice in our life, but it's just meant to show you the natural bent of our lives. We are naturally self-centered, right? But whenever we look at Jesus, what we're going to see is that He, as both God and man, is naturally God-centered, and that radically changes the determination of His day and of His life, right? When He wakes up, He determines, He chooses to go in a certain direction, to pursue certain people, to go certain places, because he knows that that's what God wants him to do. He knows that that's where the people God wants him to interact with are. And so he chooses and pursues and goes in a specific, determined direction. So when we see Jesus, the determination of Jesus is he pursues his people and he pursues his purpose. And so what we're going to see... In John chapter five is a story of Jesus pursuing a person and pursuing a purpose and explaining his purpose to to the Pharisees who are questioning him and to us as readers in uh, our day in life now. So I'm going to read the first part of John chapter five verses one through fifteen, and then I'm going to. Pray for us. We're going to jump into that, and then we'll jump into the second half of this story after that. So let's read John 5, 1 through through 15. It says, After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem there is a pool called Bethesda, in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the man answered, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, Pick up your mat and walk? they asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was, because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well, do not sin anymore, so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray now as we study and think about and and pursue you through your word, that you speak to us, that you show us your pursuit of us in our lives, and that you take care of us. Um, as we seek after you. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, Dave, can you see if someone's at the door? Those doors are locked. I thought I heard somebody pulling on it. Um, all right, so here we, here's the story. Here's the kind of setup and context of this story. Um, Jesus is in Jerusalem during a time of a Jewish festival, which keys us in to the fact that there is going to be a ton of people there. Festival times are times when people from all the different areas and cities and towns in Israel all begin to pilgrim, all begin to move together towards Jerusalem, gather together to be near the temple, to be near God's presence. All right. And so right now we're, gonna, we're seeing a time in, uh, in the life of Jesus where he's gathered to celebrate this festival, right, just along with all the other people in Israel. Um, but he's also there for a purpose. And we're starting to see that his purpose isn't just to, to celebrate along with the all the other Israelites, but his purpose is to specifically reach out to one person to make a massive difference in his life and in his ministry. Uh, so we see the setting here. He is at a pool called Bethesda, which would have been considered... I want to say, I don't want to use the word magic, but it would have been considered a very, uh, quote-unquote, holy place. A place where God would work in special ways. And how how it worked, in their mind, this belief that they had, was that anybody who got in the pool, at the very beginning of it being stirred. So if you, you can imagine, I mean, this is... A, just a giant swimming pool there in Jerusalem. It has these big columns around it. Uh, you know, it's a roof kind of porch around it. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, people would just see it stir. And they didn't really know why it started stirring. And uh, there's not really a consistence on why it started stirring, but they began to believe that it was an angel and that the angel touched the water and that caused it to move. And when the people who were surrounding this pool started to see it move, they would basically just clamor to be the first one to dive in. The first one to get inside that pool cuz they believed cuz the angel touched it, God was working some mysterious way there and the first person to get in would be healed of whatever, you know, ailment was bothering them, whether it was leprosy, whether it was, you know, like this man paralyzed or blindness or whatever it might be. If they got in there first, they would be healed. And so you would just see these people, especially right now when it's a festival time and a ton of people who are far from Jerusalem have this hope that if they get there and they're that first one, then this thing that they've been dealing with for years and years will go away. And so you have all these people there, a lot of crowd, a lot of movement, you know, a lot of things happening here. And so Jesus is entering into the scene in the midst of all of that going on, right? A large number of disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. But it goes on in verse 5, it says, one man. So Jesus, very well, I mean, we know Jesus, he, he could have began to just heal everybody there. In fact, you know, in, in episodes before this, he has been healing people. He has been going around and performing sometimes miracle after miracle after miracle in cities, and healing the blind, and healing the sick, and you know doing all of these different signs and wonders. And so he could have done that here. But there was one person that was his person that he was going to determine to pursue in this episode, in this moment. So there was one man, And we don't know if he was, you know, the longest person, the person who had been disabled the longest, Um, but he had been disabled there for 38 years. So at the very least, it was a long time, you know, dealing with his disability, Uh, dealing with, you know, what it's kind of showing us that that he couldn't walk, that his legs didn't work, he was paralyzed, Um, as he was laying on a mat during this time. And Jesus comes up to him. Realize he initiates this conversation. He's the one who comes up to this man. We don't know if this man knew about Jesus or not, but Jesus knew about this man. Jesus knew what he needed. Jesus knew where he was at, and he went after him. It says, just a very simple question. Do you want to get well? Now think about why that man is there. Of course he wants to get well. That's the whole reason he's at this pool, right? He wants to be the one that gets well. He wants to be the one who receives healing. If he didn't want to get well, he wouldn't even have been at the pool to begin with. He was pursuing his own plan and his own way to get well. It was just wrong. It was just this false hope, this false belief that was going to lead him nowhere. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that what he had put his faith and trust in was going to be futile and worthless in the long run. And so Jesus comes after him. And he says, uh, you know, the man answers him. You know, no one's going to put me in the pool. Jesus just tells him. I mean, just the power of Jesus here, right? Like, it's not like this, uh, you know, calling out all this attention, you know, trying to get everybody to notice or... You know, trying to do this, you know, big long routine to make this healing happen. It's just get up, right? And that's just the M.O. of Jesus. He knows it's the authority of God just to say, get up, just with the words that He has to speak them with the power of God, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly that happening. So Jesus pursued. His person, but notice something really significant about when this happened. This happened on the Sabbath, and we're going to see. We've seen that the the reason the Pharisees get so angry and upset with Jesus is because he has done this on the Sabbath, and in their mind and their plans, Jesus has now broken you know a very important law: do not work on the Sabbath. He has healed somebody. And not only that, he has gotten somebody else to break the law by telling them to pick up their mat. How, how dare he tell someone to pick up their mat on the Sabbath, right? But in their minds, because they had a plan and a purpose, and they had their knowledge that they thought was true, their beliefs. Again, just like this man had his false beliefs, these, the Pharisees had their own false beliefs that if they kept all these laws, even the ones that they, they kind of made up on their own, that they would be safe and that they would be good and they would be right with God. They would be healed in a sense. But again, Jesus is showing them that this is false, right? So Jesus heals them on the Sabbath, and by doing so, He's going to open their eyes up to the fact that the Sabbath isn't just meant to take everything away from us, but it's actually meant to push us closer to Jesus, closer to God. It's meant to push us closer into His plans and purposes. right? When you think about this story, it mirrors creation. right? There was something that needed to be spoken by Jesus. There was a word that needed to be said. Just like in creation, there were words that needed to be said for the earth and everything in it to be formed. And when the words were spoken, everything happened. And right here, Jesus is showing his creation power by speaking the words and healing happening, fixing what was broken instead of creating something new, like what happened in Genesis. But he was fixing what was broken, and he was doing it on the Sabbath. And I believe he was doing it on the Sabbath to show that the purpose of the Sabbath isn't just to take your mind off of God or off of the plans and purposes He has for us, but to truly focus in on those things, to truly see how relevant and valuable they are. That's why the church began to meet on Sunday and gather on a day of the week. It wasn't the the old Sabbath, it was this new Sabbath where we were able to celebrate and put our mind and focus and attention on what Jesus had accomplished in his determination for us on the cross, that he had died in our place, he had covered our sins, he had risen back to life. And because of that, now we're able to lean in to our relationship with God as we believe in him and turn from our sins so that we can be part of God's plans and purposes, so that our lives are no longer filled with worthless knowledge, worthless paths, and worthless things pursuits that aren't going to lead us anywhere. They're now filled with eternal life, eternal pursuits, eternal paths that God wants us to be on. And so Jesus is using the Sabbath to show us that, that the Sabbath is meant to fill us, not empty us of all work, but to fill us with the purposes of God. And so Jesus begins to be persecuted because of this. So if we pick back up in verse 16, we see that the Jews, after they realized who it was that healed this man, began persecuting Jesus. They began going after him. It says, therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And here's how Jesus responds. He says, my father is still working, and I am working also, right? going back to what we just said about the creation, right? The Sabbath isn't to take off of work, it's to pursue the Father's work. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal to God. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and will show Him everything He is doing, and He will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And then we're going to skip down to verse 30, where Jesus repeats this same phrase. He says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Okay, so we see here, Jesus went after this person who needed healing, who needed to see the power of God on display. Jesus determined to go after him. He determined to do this work in his life and to rescue him from his broken state, both physically and spiritually. Right? He tells the man, you know, Go and sin no more, right? You are forgiven. Go on this path that you are now on. And then he begins to explain this path to these Pharisees who are questioning him and persecuting him and seeking to kill him. The first thing he tells them is that he, like we've mentioned, is working on the Sabbath because his father is working. Right, He makes himself equal to God, which enrages them all the more. But listen to what he says next. Right? This is truly amazing as we think about it. He says, Truly, I tell you, the Son is not able to do on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. So this is, if you, if you stop to think about this verse, it can be a confusing and challenging verse to think about, right? Jesus is saying he can't. He can do nothing, right? If we were just to stop there, that would that would be really confusing. But he says the only thing that he can do is what he sees his father doing, right? I told you guys a little bit about my um, dating and relationship story earlier, but uh, I also mentioned I have two boys, um, two boys who uh, will emulate a lot of what I do. Right. They're gonna they're gonna look at me for uh, direction in their life. And if I were to treat my wife poorly, they would do the same thing. If I treat her well, they're gonna treat her well. If I uh, if I determine that we're gonna make church a priority in our family, they're gonna come to church with me. If I teach them to go fishing or to go play golf or to play baseball or to run or to do whatever, right? They're going to do these things as I model and teach them. And this is the same idea Jesus is giving us here, that as Jesus, the Son of God, sees God the Father working, Jesus is going to spend his life emulating, matching what God wants him to do. What God is doing, Jesus wants to do. What God the Father is doing, God the Son wants to do as well. And so Jesus is showing us here what it means to pursue God's purposes. To pursue God's purposes means to take away, you know, we talked about earlier, our plans and swap them out with God's purposes. To think not what I can do for my day or even what God's plan is for me, but just what is God's plan, right? Jesus didn't say, you know, I want to do what my Father has planned for me. He just says, I want to do what my Father is doing. I want to just go where my Father has purposed for me to go. He's putting all of his cards on the table, so to speak. He's laying it all out and saying, I am going to do Uh, I'm going to live my life in full obedience to God the Father. And as perfect, you know, he was 100% God, 100% human. As 100% human, that is the lifestyle that he is showing us we need to have. The lifestyle of perfect submission. Even as God the Son, Jesus fully submitted and humbled himself before the Father. But... It wasn't a power struggle. Oftentimes, when you hear words like submission and obeying, you know there's this this power dynamic, and it just seems like, you know, is, is God like you know some sort of mean, harsh father or you know, some some you know ruler who's just lording himself over his people? No. What does Jesus say? He says the Father loves the Son and shows him what he's doing. Right? The reason I raise my, my sons a certain way is because I love them, because I believe that the things that I'm showing them and teaching them and the ways that I'm guiding them are for their best. And Jesus fully submits himself to God because he knows that his father loves him, that his father will do show him everything that he needs to do, everything that he has going on, everything the father is doing, he will show him. And we'll show him greater works so that we will all be amazed at how good and loving and caring and pursuing the Father is. So Jesus is presenting his life and the plans of his life to God, even in the midst. Remember, all of this is happening in the midst of persecution. Let's not forget that detail. That's, That's an important thing, right? It wasn't easy for Jesus to say this he knew what was going to happen as he kept speaking in this way that the persecution he was going to, he was facing now was going to turn into crucifixion a few years down the road jesus knew the consequences of the words he was saying but he still chose to submit his life to the father and because of that jesus has an important job that he lays out and wants to make everyone aware of that the Father has given him. You know, in all of this, uh, he talks about you know why he has been sent, you know, for for bringing eternal life and all these different things. Um, but when you think about like jobs and you know specific actions, Jesus really only gives one in this passage, and it's an interesting one. So verse going back down to verse thirty, he says, "I can do nothing on my own. I judge." Only as I hear, and my judgment is just. So, when we're thinking about the job that Jesus has, um, the the the, the the job description that Jesus has been given, one of the things he makes clear is that he is a judge. He is the judge over this earth, over heaven, over everything, and that the way he judges is going to be just. It's going to be right and correct. Uh, He's going to judge all that he hears, all all that he has been told by the Father. He is going to decide what is right, what is wrong. But again, not for his own will, but for the will, for the purpose of God the Father who sent him. So one of the things that it's easy to forget or not think about when we think about Jesus is Jesus is constantly judging. Jesus is constantly looking at the world and making determinations on what's right and what's wrong, and that's a really good thing. If Jesus were not doing that, we would have no hope to say that we have been forgiven, because who's to say he won't just change his mind? Who's to say that if he didn't judge, that he would just change the judgment, or he would just you know, say, oh, you messed up today. So actually, now you're back out, right? He judges on what's just, on what's true, on what's right. And because he has again died and rose again, because his blood covers sins, his judgment is now if you're with me, you will be forgiven. If you are on, if you have confessed your sins, admit, admitted your sins before God, believe in Jesus for salvation, and confessed him as your Lord and Savior. Your judgment is now a son. Your judgment is now a daughter. You are judged as clean. And the opposite is true too. Jesus judges what's wrong in this world. Jesus judges what's evil in this world and those who never turn to him. And it's part of his will. It's part of his purpose. It's part of his plan. And so what I want us to think about Kind of as we wrap up, um, I wanted to give us three things. I decided kind of just to end each sermon with this phrase, this thought becoming like Jesus. So, how can we become more like, excuse me, more like Jesus? We need to go out of our way to pursue people. We need to step out of our comfort zones, step out of our norms, step out of what we uh, feel safe in and pursue, right? I mean, think of the crowd and think of, just think of that setting Jesus was in. Huge crowd, tons of, of paralyzed and sick and all these people, all these people who are crying out for help. Again, we don't know why. You know, some of God's plan is mysterious, but what He has revealed to us is His plan was to pursue that one person who God had revealed to Him needed to be healed, and He did it. He went out of His way, He came up to Him, and He pursued Him. And there's going to be people in our lives that God's just going to show you, whether it's one person, whether it's a small group or a big group or you know, whoever it may be, that God's going to say, start a conversation. Pursue this person. This person is crossing your path. This person is in your life. This person is is in your way because I'm putting them there and you need to go and pursue them. Guys, this is when I was writing this, you know, and thinking back to my time in college, this is was really convicting for me because this was not on my radar in college. This was not how I live my life. So I'm not going to sit here and try to come from a place of you know, here's how I did it when I was your age sort of thing I was living for myself I, I mean I kind of gave you a glimpse of that just in my dating relationship but it really applied to a lot of my life I was you know I was in church and I was growing um, I came to faith when I was in high school um, I was really you know trying to figure out and learn these things um, but it didn't ever become serious to me it didn't ever become something I really thought, uh, thought deeply about and really tried to understand what God's purpose was for my life uh, until I got sort of basically in my last semester of college is when it really hit me. And by that time, I was already kind of moving on. And so I'm, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say I have all the tips and tricks or ways to do it, but I knew that that's what God's calling all of us to do. No matter how old or young we are, if we are a follower of Jesus, he is going to put people in our life for us to pursue. And so go out of your way to pursue them. Don't let barriers keep you from that, right? In Jesus' life, persecution that he faced could have been a barrier, right? It could have been. And for you know, for us as humans, it easily is. When we when we get made fun of, or when we when they reject us really harshly, or you know, whenever something happens that hurts us in the midst of all this our determination can wane, and we can begin to sort of make those excuses or to, to you know, just pull away from, from that original purpose that we felt like God had for us because it got really hard. But our determination, again, needs to be modeled after Jesus' determination. His determination was to go after people regardless of the persecution. In the face of all the negativity and the hard, hardships that he faced, he still went after it. He's still, I mean, he's, te- he's teaching these people, the, the Pharisees, things that he knows is going to continue the persecution. He didn't shy away from it, he ran after it because he knew that God's purpose was greater than any persecution he was going to face. So, whatever barrier that we face, don't let it stop you. If you know that God is calling you to a place, calling you to a person, calling you to do something, when it gets really hard, it could be a sign that it's actually exactly where God wants you to be. Okay. Now, a caveat with that is if you are facing something that's similar to abuse, then you definitely need to step out of that, okay? I don't want to use this as a teaching to to stay in a, a relationship or stay in a situation where you're getting taken advantage of, right? That's not God's will and plan for any of us. But if it's something where your relationship with God is sort of pushed at and pro, uh, prodded at and poked on and, and you know people are trying to basically tear you away from God, those are the barriers to push through. Those are the barriers to keep going forth. Um but don't let um, abuse be something you live with either. So just a little caveat there. But then call people to honor the Son, right? That was Jesus' purpose here, right? He's calling people to honor the Son in everything, the greater works that he's called that he uh, that the Father is going to reveal to him was uh, the res- his death and his resurrection, the greatest work that we could ever talk about, sing about, think about, have our lives built around the good news, the gospel, the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so if there's any uh, calling, if there's any words that you need to, to point out to people, those are the words. To look at Jesus, to keep your eyes on Jesus and, and just magnify how amazing he is. So pursue people, right? Don't let barriers get in the way and have the message of Jesus. Call people to honor the Son. And that's how we can have the determination of Jesus. So if you're struggling, let's say you're just having a hard time getting motivated in your life. Maybe you're struggling with laziness or struggling with just feeling like you don't have a, a purpose or a hope. There's a hopelessness in your life. You know, whatever it might be, just that that feeling like it's just really hard to get out of bed in the morning, right? Depression, all those things. I truly believe that the more we can think about how God determined to love us, God determined to go after us, God determined to set His sights on each of you who are believers and call you to Himself. He chose to do that. He went you know, out of his way, so to speak, to come after you. Uh, if you can remember that and keep that in your mind and in your heart, remember that, it's going to motivate you to pursue God the way he pursues you and then for your life to change to become more like Jesus. So if you have a friend or if you yourself are struggling in those ways, Keep this passage, keep this pursuit that Jesus has for you on your mind and on your heart, and just thank God each day for how much he loves you. I'm going to pray for us, uh, then we're going to sing one more song and continue to worship together. Um, but everybody, bow your head and close your eyes and let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, I just want to take this opportunity here as we we're just thinking and, and talking and um, seeking to understand how you pursue us, that if there's anyone here who is just not sure if they have been pursued by you, they're not sure if if the love that you have displayed to this man in John 5 is the same kind of love that they've received in their life. Uh, Lord, give them the, the boldness to push back any barrier that keeps them from running to you right maybe it's the barrier of doubt maybe it's the barrier of their past maybe it's the barrier of just not knowing who to talk to or what to say help them to push back on those barriers help them to, to have a conversation with somebody they trust uh, one of their friends uh, myself or any other leader in this church or just help them have that conversation Lord, help them to have the words to say. You know, words that just call admit, just saying that we're God, we're sinners. We have, we have pushed away from you naturally with our lives. But you have still sent a Savior in Jesus, so that if we believe that He died and rose again to pay for our sins, we can be forgiven. Lord, help them to just say, I that they confess you as their Lord and Savior, um, that Jesus is the king of their life and they want to follow him forever. Lord, give them those words to say. Um, And Lord, for for those of us who are going into this world and just seeking to find um, purpose, seeking to find hope, seeking to get out of maybe a depression or a state of worry, Lord, help us to see that you have a plan that you are inviting us to enter into. Lord, you have a kingdom that you are building and that you want to use us as tools to build that kingdom. Lord, help us all just lean on you and listen to your words that you are going to speak to each of us. Help us to call people to honor your son And Lord, just help us to continue to pursue the relationship with you that matches the love that you have for us. God, I thank you for this time and for these moments and for all that you do in our lives. Lord, help us to continue to worship you now as we sing praises of who you are and what you've done. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.